Good morning. I want to share briefly with you the story of my life over the last several years. It was the mid-90s, and I could not have been happier. I had been married about six years to a wonderful lady, and we had two beautiful daughters, both under the age of two. I had just recently been called into full-time ministry and had accepted a position as youth and children's director at my home church where I had attended for 20 years. My life was very fulfilling with watching my family grow and ministering God's work to some great kids. My youth ministry really took off, and we were growing not only numerically but spiritually. And after a couple of years, I became a licensed minister and began leading the young adult ministry as well as I became the assistant pastor. After a couple more years, I was asked to run for an associate pastor position, which is the same type of calling the senior pastor gets. And I received a unanimous four-year call to serve as associate pastor. I just knew my life was set. I had a loving family, a loving church, and a growing ministry where I saw many fruitful events take place. With my ministry, I felt like I was a blooming plant with flowering buds as I watched young people get saved, get involved, and even study and enter the ministry themselves once they graduated. Life was sweet. However, those days came crashing down in 2001. I chose to resign my position as associate pastor, as I then believed it was God's way of moving me in a new direction. That's what I was hoping, but that's not what happened. As I struggled to find my place in God's will, I later found out that I was suffering from major depression. This was not just mild depression, but an illness that would consume my very world and totally control my life and decisions I would make. I was miserable. I was living years with battling day-to-day -day depression, and things only got worse. I tried doctors and medication, but all of them seemed to fall and fail eventually. It was beginning to affect my family in such a negative way, and my whole life was changing. To add more problems, I became legally blind after completely losing sight in one eye and losing significant sight in the other. I struggled even as I ministered at other churches, including when I was assistant pastor here at Wendover Hills from 2003 to 2005. Finally, last year, I became so depressed and desperate that I was hospitalized for over eight weeks, including admitting myself to Central Regional Hospital in Butner, North Carolina, and UNC Hospital in Chapel Hill for extreme depression treatment. I was surrounded by criminals and severely disturbed patients during this time. It was horrible. And after my stay, I didn't receive the treatment that I had hoped for. It became very apparent to me that I had no hope. There was no cure and no treatment, and eventually, no God in my life. I gave up on my faith, 
and I stopped going to church. This went on for months. I believed that if there was a God, He certainly didn't care about me. And the only Bible verse that I could relate to at all was 2 Kings 19, 3 and 4, which is about Elijah after he had ministered for God's kingdom, became very frightened and depressed. Verses 3 and 4 says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Then he went on alone into the desert, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. My name is Steve, and I've been hurt. As I shared with you earlier, our goal this morning is that whatever type of hurt or pain you've brought into your life, whether it's something that you've experienced recently or it's whether it's something that you've been carrying on for years, this morning we want to give you the path to freedom. We want you to walk down that road. At very least when you walk out of here, we want you to have made a decision to say, I'm going to start down that road. I think there's something in this God thing to, to freedom. So uh, I was, this was years ago, maybe, I think I was 18 at the time. I had been dating this girl about uh, a year and eight months and seven days. So, um, so uh, we broke up, right? It's uh, that senior trip to, to Disneyland, because I grew up in Southern California. And so all the seniors, they get on the bus and they go to Disneyland. And we had been having a little bit of, of struggle, you know, those major issues sometimes. 18-year-olds can have in a relationship. So we're having those, and uh, it just, it was time. We knew it was kind of done, all right? So I rehearsed it for a few hours in my head, and, and uh, it always went better in my head than what had actually happened when we, when we broke up, uh, but it was done. So we get on this bus, and we go, you know, I'm on one bus, she's on another now, whereas normally we'd be in the same seat, you know, cuddling. And uh, now we're at Disneyland, uh, the happiest place on earth, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm walking around, and I'm miserable, <laughs> miserable the whole night long. Uh, and the, what's worse is I went with two other couples. It was supposed to be three couples, and that was two, two, one. Um, the carts don't even line up back then. I, I think the people that design amusement parks now, they probably think about those things a little better because they have four and five. But uh, back in the day, they assumed everybody was a couple, two, 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 and me was in the back. And so, so this went on for like two months or so, this two, two and a half months of, of weirdness, awkwardness, you know, second guessing myself, uh, just kind of hurt type of things for this teen relationship. And, uh, and then finally I said, you know, I'm going to go out with somebody else one night. You know, what, what's the big deal on that? So I asked this girl if she would, she would go out one night. So we did. We went out to, um, I actually made a reservation at one of these little pizza joints. Um, I learned later, that's not the most impressive thing to do, guys. Reservations at a little pizza place is, is not super. So don't do that. But I did. And, uh, and then I took her to a baseball game. I also learned that's probably not the best place um, to take, too. Uh, so we didn't go out again, uh, as you may have guessed. <coughs> so I got to this party a couple weeks later. It was a birthday party for a friend. And this girl I had been dating, her name was Stacy, was there. And it was just incredible awkwardness because now we were in the same house and seeing each other. And I'd already been dealing with it for two and a half months or so. And uh, 
I decided, I'm out of here. I'm going to take off. So I got in the car, and I headed home, and I looked, and I saw kind of familiar headlights in my rearview mirror, and I knew that that was her little Toyota uh, hatchback. And so uh, as she's following behind me, I said, yeah, I'm just going to bite the bullet here. You know, I'm sick of dealing with kind of this awkwardness in, in, this, in the life here. And so I pulled over, knowing she'd pull over, and I said, I'm just going to kind of tell her, hey, it's done. I saw somebody else. It's over. So uh, she again got in the car, and we started talking about uh, the night. And she said, you know, it just feels like it was very, very awkward. I said, yeah, it was just tremendously awkward, the most awkward tonight. And she said, do you think it's because of the date? I was like, the date? I didn't tell anybody this, and this girl did not know her. This is not how it's supposed to go. I was supposed to lead the charge in saying, telling her about this other girl uh, that I had gone out with. Uh, do you think it's about the date? So I, I just decided in a moment of of blurting out that I would just say everything. So I said, all right, look, I went out with this girl. I asked her to go with me. I just felt like I needed to go be with somebody, and we went out. It didn't go so great. I'll probably never see her again, and boom, that's it. And she looked at me like with this confusion on her face, and she said, what are you talking about? I meant the date. It was two years today that we got together. <laughs> okay. This morning, uh, in a more serious way, I don't want you to keep dealing with awkwardness and junk and weirdness in your life. I want you to, in, in a very real way this morning, between your, you and your Savior, your God, to be able to just blurt it out and say, God, this is what happened. This is what it is. Healed me up. Heal me up. And he promises to do it this morning. That's what he promises. So we're going to take a look at our passage in Scripture this morning. We're looking at this story of Joseph in the Old Testament uh, in the book of Genesis. What's great about doing a a character from the book of Genesis is that there's not much background reading to have to do in the Bible. So you just kind of start from Genesis 1, you get to 37, and you're like, good, that's great. uh, But I had the opportunity to go back and to read. And, uh, And this morning... As we look at the story of Joseph, I want you to pick up on some things that were going on in this story. Now, you may have grown up knowing about this story, or this may be fresh to you this morning, but you're going to start to pick up the dysfunction in this story. This morning, our key theme, what I want you to walk away knowing, is that hurt people hurt people. Free people, free people. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, don't get nervous here, just turn to somebody say that to somebody next to you. Hurt people, hurt people, free people, free people. Go ahead. It's okay. All right, let me just stop you right there because that was uh, not very good at all. So (laughs) let's worry less about saying it well and more about volume. All right, so turn and say it again. Maybe to another person since you didn't get it done with that person. Go ahead. Hurt people, hurt people, free people. Good. There you go. The gist is this. If you continue with the hurt in your own life, you have this propensity to hurt others. If you find this freedom in your life, then you have the avenue to offer this freedom to other people. So let's take a look at how this applies to uh, the story in Genesis chapter 50. Now this is the end of the story. Let me read this. Take a look at it on the screen. This is the end. So they sent this message to Joseph, they being his brothers. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of, our, of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. 
Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, do not be afraid of me. Am I God? And can I punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So here's the end of the story. And what we find here at the very end, that Joseph, speaking to his brother, is trying to, trying to kindly tell him, don't worry. What you did, the hurt you caused, I'm not bitter about it. In fact, I'm not only not bitter, I want to take care of you now. Well, the question would always be in a story like this, how does he get to that point? So let me just recap the story real quick. In the next few minutes, if you, if you wanted to look back and follow, you can start in around verse 30, or chapter 37, and it continues all the way through. So Joseph is the son of Jacob, and there's ten other brothers. He's the youngest here. And we find out right away in chapter 37 that Joseph is the favorite of Jacob. It says he's the favorite because he came along in Jacob's old age. So whatever the reason would be, Jacob looks at Joseph and he sees something different than when he looks at his other sons. Not something different as in you're gifted different or you're skilled different or your hair looks different, but I like you more than I like them. That's what we get at the very beginning of the story. So already at the beginning, it wouldn't take uh, much intelligence to understand there's some problems going on in the family right away, some favoritism that happens, and so hurt begins. Have you ever experienced this in a family, in a situation, a work environment, that type of favoritism? Does it not bring hurt along with it? It starts at the very beginning in the story. Now, Joseph here plays along a bit with it because we find out that Joseph held this over his brothers quite a bit. In fact, in chapter 37, right at the very beginning of the second verse, we find already when Joseph is introduced, that Joseph is introduced because he is coming to give a bad report of his brothers. He's tattletelling. That's what's going on. He's coming in from the fields to tell his dad what his brothers were doing wrong. I mean, parents, you know what this looks like? You know, they come, a kid comes running in the other room, Billy, he's getting into the closet, and on and on and on. These type of, your cattle time, that's what Joseph is doing. Why? Because he understood the dynamic already in place. He had his father's favor. And so hurt continues. Hurt continues. And so Joseph, a little bit later, was, was blessed, you might want to say, by his dad with a coat of many colors. You see, in this time, there would have been these cloaks that they would have worn, and they would have been of probably one solid color and a dull color. Even patterns was a big deal. But now we're talking a coat with many different threads, colors of many different threads put on, and that was given to Joseph, the youngest. Also in this culture, the oldest would have been the one that was normally looked on with favor. Flip-flop here. And so the favoritism continues with this gift. Could you see these brothers, when Joseph came around in that coat, what they might think? Hurt continues in the story. Well, it's very early on in Joseph's life that we learn his gifting and how the Lord speaks to him. It was through dreams 
Joseph had this, this ability to interpret dreams. And so God came to Joseph. He had two different dreams. And the dream, basically the interpretation was that his family would be bowing down to him one day. Joseph, in his immaturity at that point in his life, went to his brothers and told them this. <laughs> Can you imagine your, brothers come, your brother coming to you and telling you, one day you are going to bow down to me. Look at my coat. I'm already on the path to it. <laughs> the hurt continues in this family all the way from the beginning. And so Joseph one day went out to the field to see his brothers, and he went to one place, and they weren't there. Now, whether that was by design or not, by the brothers, I don't know. But eventually, he finds where the brothers are at, and the brothers come up with this idea. They decide that they're going to get back at Joseph here once and for all, and look at what the passage says here, Genesis chapter 37, 23 through 24. So Joseph arrived. His brothers ripped off the beautiful coat he was wearing, they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. You see, there is a culmination here of hurt and dealing with hurt that brings all the way to the point that in the life of the brothers, they are willing to throw Joseph and leave him for dead here. That was their original plan. This didn't just happen one day where they saw Joseph and decided, yeah, let's, let's do away with this guy. There was these years and years of buildup of hurt. One person hurts one person, and the way they know how to deal with it is hurting somebody else. And back and forth and back and forth, all the way to this point, where there's this, this culmination on such a high climactic level. Well, they don't end up actually leaving him in the pit. Instead, they sell him into slavery. And off Joseph goes. Hurt. That's what's going on in this family. Think about what could have happened at the very beginning if they had dealt with hurt in their family. If at the very beginning this, this awkwardness of favoritism had been addressed and resolved and dealt with, probably a pretty good, different-looking story would have happened. But hurt hurts. And that's what's going on in this story. Let's take a look uh, at a couple things that involve the word hurt. I thought, let's, let's have a simple definition for hurt that we can walk away and really feel like we have a handle on. Hurt. Hurt is anything that causes pain. You know what I'm talking about? Anything that causes pain. We were talking about the, the men's softball team coming up. Pretty good chance hurt will enter the picture in the men's softball league. Probably running down the line the very first night for somebody who has not uh, played in a few uh, you know, months or years or generations, and <laughs> that stretch at first base will bring hurt. But there's more hurts we want to talk about this morning. Anything that causes pain. Anything. If you look back and you felt, I can really identify with that story, I felt this favoritism in my family. I felt this abandonedness within my family or relationships. I felt this strife, hurt, anything that causes pain. Maybe in your life it's much more extreme, and for you there was a physical abuse that happened in your life. Hurt, anything that causes pain. And so this morning, as you start, if you're listening, as you start to search yourself and ask, is there anything in my life that I have 
dealt with and I have been carrying that I would put into this category, it causes me pain. Couples that have been trying for years to get pregnant. And for whatever reason, the Lord has not given you that child. Or has. And then seemingly that child was taken away before the nine months. Hurt. Anything that causes pain. Some people I know really like categories. Let's just talk about three. How about physical pain? We joked about softball, but what about more uh, significant physical pain in the area of physical abuse? Or maybe an injury or uh, an illness that strikes you physically that you have to deal with day in and day out. It brings hurt to your life. Or an emotional abuse where you just emotionally you know you're spent and you're not healthy and you're not there. Steve shared his testimony this morning about what was going on in his life emotionally. How about psychologically? Something that's just damaging in the way you think, in the way you process, in the way you vision life and how things are going on in life. And here's the crazy thing about these three categories. You can't just camp on one and say it's here, it's here, it's here. They intermingle. When we struggle here, it jumps into here and vice versa all the way around. It's hurt. Anything that causes pain. This morning, before we move much further, I want to make sure you search yourself and ask you, what am I dealing with that's painful? What am I struggling with that I've held on to that I've not allowed to bring to the position where I've said, you know, God, I want to deal with this today. I want to seek some freedom and some healing in this area. Hold that thing in your thinking. Let me share a couple verses with you because I am convinced that God has every bit of interest in your hurt. Here's what he says. Here's two verses. They come back to back in the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. God is interested here. He says, come to me if you're weary or you're burdened in an area. If you're weary or you're burdened. Notice this word. We'll come back to it. Come. Come to me. It's an invitation that he is offering. Take a look at the second one. It happens in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. You remember in these days the, the ox would have had this yoke on them and they would have been strapped to items that they would have moved and pulled around. He says, take my yoke upon you. Notice the word take. Now this is not take in the sense that uh, your house is locked up and somebody breaks in and takes your stereo. This is take in the sense of, here it is, it's out in front of you. Take it. Invitation. You see, God is interested in our hurts, and in those hurts, he is offering invitation to us within our hurts. Notice how these passages set up. Come to me, who, all who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you. He is offering invitation to us today in the first part of these verses. So this morning, before we continue much further, if you are hurt, if you can identify something that causes pain within your life, the number one thing you have to grasp onto today is that you have a God who is willing to say, I want to be involved in your hurt. I want to bring healing to your hurt. I want you to find freedom to whatever is binding you up. That's what I offer you. It is my invitation for you this morning. Can I talk to two different people for just a second before we move further? First of all, for those who don't know the Lord, 
Maybe you've come and by invitation somebody's brought you along and this church thing's kind of new to you and, and even the whole understanding of God and what he brings to our life is, is kind of mixed up in this big confusing bubble for you. God simply says this, I sent my son for you that if you're willing to receive what Christ has to offer, I'll bring this healing and freedom to your life. He does it immediately through the work of his spirit in our life he does it through a community like this that wants to care for one another and serve one another and interact with one another. He does it through his word and what we teach and our, how our lifestyle can even change. But often this morning, if we don't know we're hurt, if we don't understand that there's something missing there or there's an emptiness or we've kept pushing off the thing that, that is hurting us, putting it to the side, how can we understand healing? How can we understand that we have a God that loves us and wants to bring this fulfillment to our life? Maybe you've heard the phrase before, a God-shaped vacuum. You ever heard that phrase? I heard it many years ago, and I had literal pictures of the vacuuming of the carpet uh, as it was my job back in my house to go up and down the staircase. And so uh, I kind of dismissed that, that phrase, thinking I either didn't understand it or I didn't care about it at the time. But as I grew in the Lord, I understand this God-shaped vacuum is this emptiness that's shaped just like God's. And that God says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to fill that spot. Now, analogies always break down at some point. But if you understand, God is wanting to come in and do something that only He can do in your life. For those of us that don't know the Lord, this morning at very least, I want you to wrestle with the idea that you need to quit on your own dealing with your hurt. You can't get it done. You can't find the end of the road in your hurt. Joseph was thrown in the cistern, and you're still in there. Because we can't deal with it on our own. At very least this morning, I want you to identify that there might be something to what God has to offer. And I want to investigate that. In the next few minutes, or in the next few weeks, whatever the timetable that you need to wrestle with, we'll be here for you, and we'll walk you through it second group, those of you who are believers this morning, you've often heard, heard things such as, um, as Christians, we, we have the power of Christ in our life, or as Christians, we have the strength to overcome, or we have the Holy Spirit who interacts and intercedes for us in all the things that we deal with. So the question remains, why are we still hurt? Why as Christians do we still deal with difficulties? Why do we still carry things that were part of our life long before we even knew Christ? These passages, as I spoke with a friend about even this morning, about new creation. Why does the old creation keep his ugly head kind of stuck up in the new creation? Well, this morning, uh, as we continue on, I want you equally to identify this hurt. Identify something that maybe has not been surrendered over to the Lord. Now, let me say, clarify one thing before you get a little confused. In that, believers, there is hurt that is our fault. We were the ones that did it. We sinned. We blew it. We caused the, the issue to come into our life. And then there are things that are not your fault. Somebody else did to you. Somebody else had control, and they invaded your space and caused you hurt. And sometimes there's even a mixture of those two. God says, I don't really care where it came from, whether you blew it, whether it was years of your own issues, or whether somebody else, I want to bring hurt and healing 
But he says to Christians the same, you've got to surrender that before me. Let me look at, look at our second thing here as we go on here. It's the word freedom. I want you to just take a look at that word really quick while I read a few other passages about Joseph. Joseph had been thrown in this cistern and then later sold into slavery. Some of you are dealing with hurts this morning. I'm not sure many of us are dealing with that level of pain, of being abandoned in the sense of being sold into slavery. He goes on, and we're, we find that, that uh, he goes on to be bought by Potiphar, and he lives in his house for a while, and he finds favor with the Lord, and while he's in this, this house, he becomes second in command. Yet Potiphar's wife, who wanted her way with him, set it up that Joseph had raped her. And when Potiphar found out this into prison, he went. Genesis 39:21 says this, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. More hurt, but God is there within the hurt. And then in that, he met two uh, guys that were in prison with him. One was a cupbearer and one was a baker. And while they were in there, the gift of dreams came back. The two had a dream and they asked for interpretation, and Joseph was the one that was able to interpret it. To the cupbearer, he says, oh, really simple. In three days, you're going to be restored to your position. The baker was really excited about this and said, hey, how about me? And he said, well, yours is real simple too. In three days, you're going to be hanging from a rope. And sure enough, that is what happened to the baker as well. So because of that, the message was passed on to the Pharaoh and Joseph was brought out of prison. And we find that God found favor on Joseph again, all the way to the point where read in Genesis 41:44, and Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand and foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. See, Joseph had been now been elevated by the Pharaoh all the way to the point where he was now second in command as he was in Potiphar's house, as he was in the prison, and now in the whole land of Egypt. Here's what we want to say before we talk about freedom. In your hurt, God is with you there. When Joseph was hurt with his brothers in a cistern and as a slave traveling with the Midianites, God was with him. When he went into Potiphar's house, even though he's second command, he still didn't have his freedom, God was with him. When he went into prison, God was with him. And now he's a second command in all of Egypt, and God is with him here as well. In this, God wants to tell us this morning, he brings freedom. He brings his freedom to us. And whatever hurts we're dealing with, he wants to offer this freedom. Here's what freedom is. It's simply being unbounded. Unbounded. Now, I have a middle son, a 10-year-old, who likes to tie things up. You know, do you have kids like this that like to tie? Um, so he'll tie a door handle to a couch to where you can't quite open the door, or he'll wrap, you know, some furniture around, ropes and things like this. Um, and he's literally created contraptions where we can't quite move around the room or can't open the door or get our way out. He is pretty good at that type of, of rope items. Freedom is the opposite. It's getting rid of those ropes. It's cutting them and being able to open the door. Freedom is being unbounded. 
unbounded. And so this morning, as we're talking about it, what we find with Joseph is he reaches the point where he is now second in command. And notice, unlike the prison in Potiphar's, it's a little bit further here. We read in the passage that Pharaoh actually takes his signet off and gives it to Joseph. What he's doing there, Pharaoh is saying, I am creating this position for you. It's not like I'm firing somebody and putting you in charge. He takes his own signet off and he gives it. And now Joseph has this command. Joseph finds this incredible freedom, this incredible freedom to be in charge and to lead forth despite the hurts that he dealt with in his life. Freedom is being unbounded. I thought I'd list a few things to find freedom from this morning. Addiction. Maybe for you there is something in your life that you are addicted to. Could be drugs, could be alcohol. Uh, the, if stats are correct, about half of males are addicted to pornography. If there's something in your life that you're addicted to, God says, I'll find freedom. I'll bring freedom for you. There could be a hurt in relationships, something that you need to just find that type of freedom because somebody hurt you in a relationship. Expectations. Expectations that weren't met in your life. The expectation of being able to have a child. The expectation of being able to have a good paying job or to be able to sustain the job that you got. Expectation hurts. How about guilt? You've blown it. It's been your fault. And even though you found uh, moving past it, you have this guilt that goes with it. And how about abuse? Maybe the abuse of physically, sexually, or maybe the abuse of substance as in addiction as well. God wants to say, I can give you freedom in all of these areas. I can bring you any freedom in each of these. Now notice we talked about a couple verses before. Let's talk about the end of the verse. In Matthew 11:28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, is what the Bible says. Give you rest. Now, if you want to do a little word search and break down this word rest and this word weary, it is uniquely tied to the, to the same word of healing. They're very closely related, and in some ways, it's even used interchangeably in the New Testament. I'll give you rest. The other verse here is, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Take my yoke. Why? Because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find that rest for your soul. You see, just like for Joseph, God wants to bring freedom to us. And whatever hurt you're dealing with, he wants to give you that freedom this morning. I want to read the passage again at the end and and show you now what Joseph does in response. Take a look at it in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. Joseph says to his brothers, Don't be afraid. I am God. I am I God that I can punish you. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. You see, in this passage at the beginning we talked about, there was hurt that was going on in Joseph and his family. And because of hurt, it brought more hurt. All the way to the point where Joseph found himself in a cistern. 
But here at the end, as God was with Joseph and he brought freedom to his life, Joseph is able to stand before his brothers who said, we'll come here today and we'll be your slaves. We'll continue to let hurt dictate and we'll be your slaves to you. And Joseph, no, today is a day of freedom. God has freed me. I will now free you today. Because in the end, hurt brings hurt. Freedom brings freedom. This morning, I'm going to give you a time in just a few minutes to just deal with your own hurts, seeking God and freedom. And remember what I said is, at very least today, I want you to be able to say, God has something to offer me in this area of hurt. God has some healing and some freedom he wants to bring. I told you earlier also there was a card, a way that you can communicate with us. If something's going on in your life today and you're like, I just need to start the road to freedom today, you can simply on that card let us know what that is. There's only a couple of us that want to pray for you that, that put our eyes on that card, so certainly not something we put out everywhere. But communicate with us. For you this morning, you might say, you know, what I really know needs to happen in my life, I've heard it, and today I want to accept the invitation of receiving Christ into my life and starting this journey of Him being the Lord of my life. You can write it on that card too. But in just a minute, I want to ask you to do maybe something a little further, maybe a little more even bold for you this morning. Uh, this staircase here, two steps up, can be a makeshift altar to you, meaning you can come and you can come before God, and there's something powerful about a posture, getting out of our normal sitting posture and being before mm-hmm. God. And so this morning, if you want to come down here and just to pray during the last song that's sung, I would invite you to do that. I'll be up here, and if you want to just come up and say, Pastor Tom, will you pray with me? Absolutely. We'll pray with you this morning and seek that. But we don't want you to go out of here not searching and praying for that freedom. If this morning you say, man, I, it sounds all good to me, but I just don't, I'm just, I don't quite know. I don't quite know if I'm ready to, to jump into that. At very least, this morning, go home and wrestle with it. Go home and start processing and putting it before God and stay connected with this family that we can keep ministering and caring for you and being a part of your life. Before we do any of that, though, I want to invite my friend Steve to come back up and share the second part of his testimony. At the very end of last year, I started seeing God's presence in my life again. I had started seeing a new physician, and things were getting a little better each day. As my healing began, I started to realize that I had strayed so far from God that I had completely given up on Him and had cursed Him. I knew in my heart that this was wrong and that I had to make a change. I slowly began to at least make efforts to get to know God again. I committed myself to finding the right church where I could begin a spiritual healing in my heart. After searching and coming up empty, After visiting other churches, I came back to Wendover Hills after six years, and I was so hopeful. Sure enough, the people that I had known before as my church family years ago welcomed me back with open arms. When I met Pastor Tom, he showed a genuine interest in me and became someone that I could talk to and share my heart with after years of being silent. I am so grateful to this church and to Pastor Tom 
for making me feel at home. Although I still struggle with depression, I am so glad to say that God is number one in my life again, and he has saved me and my family from the grips of Satan's grasp. I encourage any of you who are hurting today to listen to my favorite verse of Scripture, which is Hebrews 10.23, and it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. My name is Steve, and I have found freedom. invite our praise team to come on back up. We're going to sing one more song. It's a song I asked them if they would take the time to learn and sing called This is Where the Healing Begins. Let me share with you three quick action points this morning, and then they will lead us, and this altar is available for you to come and, and to pray. Um, one is this. If you are hurt and you've been carrying a hurt with you a long time, find somebody you trust and share it. Verbalize it. Open it up. Don't let it remain secret in your heart or that you're wrestling with. Share it. Make sure it's completely out there. Find somebody you trust in the Lord and share it. Secondly, for many of you, I would encourage you, look at the opportunity of a Christian psychologist, somebody that you can see and talk to. I realize that for many people, they have this notion that psychology, that's kind of a worldly thing. That's not a God thing. I'm talking about somebody who looks at the Scripture and uses that type of training to direct you in how God wants you to find healing. If you need somebody or you need direction in that area, please let us know. We'd be happy to direct you to some names that, that, that we trust and know will be walking you down the Lord's path. And thirdly, the action step is simply this. Stay connected in God's family here. Stay connected. This community will be a part of your healing, so stay connected. As the praise team sings the last song, I invite you, come forward. Use this altar. If you can't quite get this far, use your chair. But go before the Lord and, and seek healing this morning.